This is Sean Mandoli, and you're listening to the Hopeland Church Podcast. I hope you encounter God and walk in new levels of freedom as a result of listening to this message. Enjoy. What's going on, everybody? I am super stoked to be here with you today and begin part three of The Cross and um, this might be the final one, uh, starting a new sermon series next month. But um, let's do this. Let's jump right into the Word of God today. I am super excited to teach um, today. And so we're going to continue this, all right? So um, once again, uh, everybody out there, welcome. And uh, let's, let's jump into the Word today. So Father, we thank you for your Word. We, we pray that we are um, challenged today. We pray that we're um, encouraged in our spiritual growth. I pray that we receive something that adds to our relationship with you, Jesus. Uh, Lord, I pray that this truly um, is an addition to our walk, Lord, that it really encourages us and um, gives us a charge to continue in our journey with you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, and everybody said amen. All right, we're going to jump right in, okay? So here it is. Um, the first point here is um, the cross is a demonstration of God's value of us. The cross is a, is a lesson in value. Okay, it just tells us a lot about God. We shared this last week, the last couple of weeks, but it speaks of the value God has for humanity, the value God has for the, the individual person, the value God has on the human soul, okay? And so um, you are absolutely and eternally valuable to God. And we know that from creation, but we also know that because of the cross, okay? So when God made man, he breathed life into him. He's, he said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. He didn't say anything else like that about any, uh, uh, of, any of any other thing uh, that he created. So at creation, the human being is uniquely different from God's perspective, okay? Um, in our likeness, after our likeness, in our image, breathed life into them. That happened to nothing else in creation. There is an eternal and absolute value that God has placed on the human soul, okay? And we see this on the cross as well. So, so once again, the cross, right, is, is a demonstration that this is a way that God has demonstrated his value of you in your life. You're worth dying for. And not just that you're worth dying for, God's like, you're so worth it, I will die for you, okay? So you are valuable, eternally, absolutely, unequivocally valuable to God, okay? Hallelujah, okay, that's good news. Somebody say amen. So here we go, Romans chapter five, uh, verse six, seven, and eight, it reads, Romans five, six, seven, and eight, for when we were still, without strength. In due time, Christ died for us. Okay, sorry, Christ died for the ungodly. 
Okay, that's you and me. Verse seven, for scarcely uh, for a righteous man will one die, uh, yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die, right? Uh, but, but verse eight, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So God's value for you is not based on your performance. It's not based on perfection, doing everything right. It, value has nothing to do with our behavior. Um, it has everything to do with God's heart for us, regardless of behavior. So our behavior, our sin or lack thereof, does not change God's value of us. We are absolutely valuable to God, all right? And so demonstrate. So this is how God established this value. He demonstrates, right, his own love. So this is God's love for us. This, this is his own love. This came from him. This wasn't like, oh, you did good, so I'm gonna die for you. Or, oh, you know, you, you, you have a cool outfit on today, so I like you. Or whatever, whatever, <laughs> however we place value, um, you know, oh, you're successful, so yeah, I'm gonna do something for you. Like all the things that from our own human lens and perspective that we have this value system here in this world, God's like, no, God demonstrates his own love toward us, his own love toward us from him, of him, toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I'm gonna say it again, folks. The cross is a demonstration of God's value of us, okay? Of us, okay, so here we go. We, I think we read uh, either last week, week before, I think each week we were kind of reading a gospel account of, of the crucifixion. So today we're gonna to read John's account, okay? So the gospel of John chapter 19, starting in verse 17. I'm gonna read a lot because I just wanna read the whole thing. Um, I'm going to read all the way to verse 30. So once again, John chapter 7, sorry, John chapter 19, starting in verse 17. Going to read through this. Here's John's account of Christ on the cross. All right, here we go. Um, and he, bearing his cross, went out to a place called the place of a skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha, in the, in the Latin Calvary, uh, where we get the English word Calvary. Okay, at verse 18, where they crucified him. And two others with him, one on either side and Jesus in the center, now Pilate wrote a title and put on the cross and the writing was Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. The many of the Jews read this title for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And it was written in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. Therefore, the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, do not write the King of the Jews. But he said, I, but he said, so sorry, let me read that again. So they said, do not write the King of the Jews, but he said, I am the king of the Jews. Verse 22, Pilate answered, what I've written, I've written. Verse 23, then the soldiers, uh, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments, made four parts to each soldier apart, and also the tunic. Now the tunic was without seam, woven from, top, from the top in one place. Verse 24, they said, therefore among themselves, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be. Then the scripture might be fulfilled, which says they divided my garments among them, and for my clothing, they cast lots. Therefore, the soldiers did these things. Verse 25. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. Verse 26. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. 
And from that hour, that disciple took her to his own home. Uh, speaking of John, the apostle John. Verse 28, after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished. Say that with me. Repeat after me. Say all things were now accomplished. Say it again. Say all things were now accomplished. That the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now a, now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on hyssop and put it to his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. All right, I wanna kind of just focus on these two phrases here today and kind of what does this mean? What, what, is, what is this saying, right? Number one, in verse 28, it says, all things were now accomplished, all right? And then we're speaking of prophetically in the mind of God, the, the, not only the chronos time, but it's really speaking of the, the, um, the, the, uh, the kairos time, the, the, the God-appointed time for this to happen. Hundreds of years, there's been prophecies, Prophets have spoken of this. The law itself spoke of him. Everything is pointing to the cross. In, I'm, I'm teaching a class right now called Intro to Theology to a, the Ministry Institute in Southgate right here, a couple neighborhoods down the, down the street here, um, and uh, teaching Intro to Theology. And really in this, in this particular class, it, it says in, in this, in this um, class, in the theology, uh, the, the study of, of just the intro to theology is that the cross is the central theme of the scripture. It's what everything in the Old Testament is pointing to. It's everything in the New Testament pointing to the cross, okay? The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. So here it is. After this, Jesus knowing, he's on the cross, knowing all things were now accomplished, okay? Everything. Jesus came to earth to die, all right? And he did that. And he rose again. Okay, and then the other phrase here, he said, it is finished. Okay, so here it is. So it is finished. So what does that mean for us? Like, what does that mean? What What now? Okay, if, if it is finished, then what now? Once again, if, if it is finished, if all things were now accomplished, speaking of the cross, what now? And so that brings us to our second point here, guys. Um, the cross is a completed work, okay? The cross or um, the, 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 you hear this, you might hear this language at times when people teach about the cross or just preach about it. It's like the finished work of the cross. It is, it is literally a finished work. There's something, it's, when, when we speak of the cross, we speak of finality, okay? When uh, nothing more is required, okay? Now, I, I, I'm not taking away from walking by faith and obedience and all that, but I'm just saying from the perspective of what God has done for us, there, everything comes after this. They, 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 uh, another language you can kind of add to this is, Kind of anything we see in the scripture that is for the believer, post death, burial, and resurrection, we call it post ascension. It is ours, right? I mean, we're, we're, I mean, everything is a result of this. Everything, 
everything in our spiritual life, our spiritual, um, um, you know, arsenal. I mean, every promise, every principle. Every, I mean, it's because of the cross. So once again, the cross is a completed work. I'll say, you know, in a sense, another way to say this, the cross is God's completed work with respect to and for humanity, all right? So Jesus' purpose on the earth was fulfilled, right there, done, okay? Um, he came to die on the cross and he did just that, all right? So when we speak of the cross, we speak of finality, nothing more is required. The offering, what is it saying? The offering of his life was accepted, okay? His sacrifice is enough, okay? He did his job and he did it perfectly. The father was, was pleased, okay? Jesus has appeased the wrath of God, okay? And so what is the result of this? So I'm just gonna give you some things, not everything, because uh, we would, we would, we're gonna go on for our whole journey with God and discover and, and, and God's gonna reveal just what this meant for us as we read the word and we walk with God and we have fellowship with believers and we go on with our life and our pursuit of Jesus and our following of Jesus and our and our discipleship and being disciples of the Lord, we are gonna grow in knowledge of what this really means for us. But today I'm gonna give you a handful of things that that when he said it is finished, this is what it means for us, okay? Now, some of these things you know, but I just wanna, let, let's go back to the cross. Let's just look, let's let's be encouraged. Let's let's see what God has done for us, okay? And so here it is. Well, we'll start with one that I think we all know. It's 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 all there and, 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 and all that, but just to kind of revisit, um, when Jesus said it is finished, this is what it means. Number one, here we go. Next next point here. And these are just one word things and then we're gonna kind of just look at the scriptures and talk about them. But number one, forgiveness. Forgiveness. I mean, it's ours. We, we now have been forgiven. Forgiveness has been given, granted. If we turn and we confess and we repent, we are forgiven of every sin, everything washed in the blood, Guilt is no longer hanging over our head. Why? Because of Jesus. Here it is, two verses. Quickly, I'm gonna read these just so we can really get through these. I really wanna give these to you. Somebody say it with me one more time. Say forgiveness, all right? So here it is, Colossians 2, verse 13, okay? Colossians 2, verse 13, and you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him having forgiven you all trespasses. Hallelujah, okay? Having forgiven you all trespasses. It is finished, all right? No more needing to take an innocent animal to uh, as a scapegoat, as a sacrifice to cover the sin of humanity. Jesus, the Lamb of God, his blood is eternal and it washes away every sin. He has forgiven us all trespasses. There are way too many verses in the scripture concerning this. I'm just gonna share two. Here's another one from the Old Testament. Psalm 103, verse 12. Psalm 103, verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. 
okay? As a believer, we should not have a lingering effect of the guilt of the sin of our past. When we have repented, we have turned to God, we have received forgiveness. His blood truly does wash away sin and we receive that. So forgiveness, right, brings with it the idea, okay, that it's the removal of the guilt of sin. Somebody say amen. It is the removal of the punishment for sin. Somebody say amen. It is the removal of the sin itself. The idea with forgiveness isn't just that I am off the hook. The idea with forgiveness, and we we can just run through this and take months to just preach and teach on what this really means, but for all intents and purposes, I'm gonna say this again. If you're taking notes, you need to write these down. Forgiveness comes with it, the idea of the removal of the guilt of sin, the removal of the punishment of sin, and the removal of the sin itself. God just doesn't want to cover your sin so that other people don't find out about it. He actually wants to deliver us of it and he wants to liberate us from it. He wants us out of sin and he wants sin out of us and he paid a price for us to live in freedom. If it's sin, Jesus died for it. If he died for it, you can be forgiven of it. If you can be forgiven of it, you ought to live free from it. Somebody say forgiveness. All right, here we go. Regeneration. Here's the next one. What does this mean on the, on the cross? This word regeneration is used in the scripture. This idea of regeneration is in the, in the word of God. Um, and so let's read this and go into this. So number one, forgiveness. Number two here, regeneration. Uh, say it with me. Say, I've been regenerated. Okay, here we go. Titus chapter three, verse five. What does this mean? This is the result of the cross. The regeneration of the human soul is the result of the cross. When he said it is finished, the regeneration of the human soul had begun right there. Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness, which we've done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Somebody say the cross. Through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus died on the cross, it has now allowed for the Holy Spirit to dwell within the human soul and regenerate the human soul. Okay, regeneration. Okay, uh, you know, the scripture says in... Um, Second uh, Corinthians five seventeen. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The prophets of old would said, um, I believe it may have been Jeremiah, that he's going to give you a new heart. Somebody say regeneration. Okay, and so here it is, and 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 this this is where you get the idea of being born again, born again, a new creation, a regenerated soul. So here is the Greek definition of the word regeneration. It means new birth, new beginning. It's really two words. It's two words. If we were to look at it and kind of dissect it from the English language perspective, you got a Greek word that means new and a Greek word that means beginning or the, the, the word we use in, in the scripture, Genesis. So it's, it's, it's new Genesis, new beginning. Okay, it means reproduction, renewal, renovation, recreation. So it's reconstructive spiritual surgery. Okay, so I was spiritually dead before Christ. All of us were. And now because of Christ, I'm truly alive. So, so we must be born again. Because of the cross, it, it is the, begin, the, the finished work of the cross is now the Holy Spirit can dwell within human beings. Before he could not do this because of sin, but because sin has been paid for, Holy Spirit now can enter our being. 
and recreate our soul. So God, what is regeneration? It's God's transformative divine work on the human soul, okay? So God literally gives life to the human spirit and recreates the human soul, all right? Hallelujah, all right? Somebody say it with me, say regeneration. Say it with me, say I've been forgiven and I have been regenerated, okay? Next one, redemption. Here we go, I'm gonna go quickly with this one because I got a few more to cover, okay? So redemption, when Jesus said it is finished, redemption right there for the human soul, redemption for all of humanity, that the opportunity and the access to God here, okay? So here, let's read this verse, Ephesians chapter one, <clears throat> excuse me, Ephesians one verse seven, in him we have redemption through his blood. Through his blood, there's redemption, not only are we forgiven, not only are we regenerated, but we are also redeemed, okay? In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. The finished work of the cross, okay, uh, has given us. We are now redeemed. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So I think we know what redemption means. I think we kind of, you know, we got an idea, you know, um, and, and all that. But let me just kind of look at this and show, um, just uh, what does this, what does this say about God's heart for us? What does this say about us? Okay. And so this redemption is because of the cross, because it says we were redeemed through his blood. So once that blood was shed, finished work, redeemed, we're forgiven, we're regenerated, we are redeemed. Okay. And so redemption means to release someone effected by payment. Meaning we were, you know, this goes to the whole thought here. We we're, were under the sway of the wicked one. We by nature, the scriptures say, our sinful nature, we are by nature children of wrath. Meaning we by nature um, draw the wrath of God. Why? Because of sin. We by nature are children of wrath. Okay. Uh, the Bible says the spirit of the air is at work in the sons of disobedience. So it's just, um, we, we're slaves of sin, the scripture says. Um, outside of Jesus, we, uh, we can't, we, we're, we're shaped in iniquity. Okay, so, so we have ourselves a condition here on the planet, and that condition is sin and a sinful nature. And we are children of wrath. We are under the sway of the wicked one. We are sinners and so we need to be redeemed okay and Jesus paid the price on that cross to redeem us to release us from the power of the devil release us from the bondage of sin release us from the penalty of sin redemption means to release someone affected by payment to repurchase to win back to uh, purchase us to pay the price so we are no longer the devil, nor do we belong to him, okay? Somebody say, man, say, I'm redeemed, okay? So what does this say? Like, think about it. Redemption speaks, once again, of the value God places on the human soul. See, he's saying, man, I, I'll, die, I'll pay the price for them. I want them. So God doesn't need you. He does not need you. He is without me. He is God in his divine nature. He is self-sufficient. He is self-existent. Nothing outside of him does he need to exist, nor, nor does he need anything for any reason whatsoever. 
but he does want you and he does desire you because he paid a price to get you back, okay? So redemption speaks of, once again, I'm reiterating kind of our first point today, our true worth, that you are worth being redeemed, okay? Or God, Jesus would not have done that, okay? So redemption speaks of really, so, so let's take a step further. Redemption speaks of who we really are and whose we are, okay? So redemption really, it speaks of your identity, that you are loved, that you are worth God's all, that you are, you do not belong to the devil, that your identity as a believer, you in Christ, because of grace and faith, you are a saint. You are set apart for a holy purpose. You are a son, daughter, child of God. You are, the scriptures say, you know, you are not your own, but you were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit which belong to God. So this really speaks of identity, right? And so so if you, you haven't, you know, if you're questioning your identity or this or that, or just know that your identity is based on nothing else other than the truth that God created you, number one. Number two, he died for you. And so that speaks of who you are and whose you are. It speaks of your identity and who you belong to. So redemption speaks of who I am and who I belong to. The cross reminds us, okay, that we are not our own and that we were purchased with the price. Okay, somebody say this with me. Say, I'm forgiven. I've been regenerated and I am redeemed. Okay, here's the next one. We are reconciled or reconciliation. Okay, reconciliation. Romans 5, verse 10 and 11. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Somebody say the cross. Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Verse 11, and not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Say it with me. Say, I have been reconciled. Okay. Reconciliation. We have been reconciled to God. I'm going to read verse 10 again because it just says it all just so I can let the word preach itself. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Reconciliation. Okay, what does reconciliation mean? It means to bring back together, to change or exchange from enemies to friends. That's why it says here that you were enemies. We, you know, we're, we're enemies of God by wicked works. We are, our mind, our natural mind, our, our sinful nature is at enmity with God. Okay, just in our nature, we just, we, we work against God, right? So, but here it is, praise God, the cross, the blood of Jesus reconciled us to God. He has brought us back to God. We are, um, you know, changed from enemies to friends. So Jesus brought us back to the Father. 
and we are now called to be ministers of reconciliation. So, so we've been brought back to God and now our vocation, our calling as believers is to be a part of reconciling others to God. We have been given the ministry of reconciliation. God has reconciled us to him. You know, I have a background in bookkeeping. And so um, one thing every every business needs to do is uh, they have to reconcile. They have to do their bank reconciliations. That just means they got their accounting software with all of their data in there. And then they got the actual bank statement. So the bank statement is the truth. And the, and the software is what's been entered. And so we need to take those two and kind of match them up, bring them together because there are variances at times. People forget to put certain things in their accounting system um, like bank fees or maybe they maybe they wrote a check and they, they sent it off and they didn't put it in there, but it's in the bank because it's going to hit the bank. So reconcile means to bring them together, to cause them to come together. So when you reconcile bank to the software, boom. Okay, so for all intents and purposes, God has brought us back together. So because of the cross, I am now in union with God in Christ. Hallelujah. Say, I've been reconciled. Hallelujah. Here's the next one. Justification. Okay, justified. I am justified. It's, what does justified mean? It means like I have sinned, but because I'm justified, it's just as if I haven't sinned. Justification justified just as if I have not sinned. Okay, Romans chapter five, verse nine, much more than having now been justified by his blood. Justified, I'm justified. The blood of Jesus has justified me. I'm not justified by my works. I'm not justified by what I do. I'm not justified by my good behavior. I am justified by his blood. Justified, just as if I have not seen justified. It's a it's a judicial term. It's 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 used in the courtroom, and it, it means to be declared righteous. It's it's a judicial approval. This is something that the judge has given us, right? It's it's been granted, given. I was guilty. I did wrong, but it uh, it means to make right. So I've been wrong, but he made me right, right? Look at look at your neighbor and say, you ain't right. Uh, but he made you right. Okay, that's what justified means. Because you've repented, you've authentically and genuinely were, were, were um, you know, broken over your sin. And you're like, man, I was wrong. It's just, you authentically come to God. And he's like, justified, declared righteous. This is, this is a, a, the authority in the courtroom is God himself. And he's saying, you're off the hook. You're justified. Just as if you didn't sin, you are made right. So I don't make myself right. I understand I got to get things right. I make choices. I'm not, I'm not negating responsibility in the, in, in life. But, but initially I am justified in the eyes of God that, that the sins of my past are not, no longer hanging over my head. Why? Because much more than having now been justified declared righteous, made right, judicially approved by the blood of Jesus alone. All right? You've done wrong and you do wrong, but through the cross, he's made you right. Okay, it's a judicial decree. The gavel has dropped. The judge has declared to us, not guilty. You 
my brothers and sisters, have been justified by the blood of Jesus. Next one, sanctification. You have been sanctified. All right, let's say these together. When Jesus said it is finished, right? What did he say? Say it with me. Say, I'm forgiven. I'm regenerated. I've been reconciled. I've been redeemed. I've been justified. Say this with me. Say, and I am being sanctified. So the cross is the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, because of the cross, the power of the Holy Spirit is, is changing us, making us holy, working in us. Um, you know, uh, we're, we're, we're dying to those things, those old habits. Like we are becoming more holy. We are in actuality, in reality. We are by the word of God, the spirit of God, we're sanctif sanctified by the truth. His word is truth. The Holy Spirit sanctifies us. We are being sanctified. The only reason we can be sanctified, live a life separate from the world, live a life where we're not living in the bondage of habitual sin is because of the cross. The cross, the cross, the cross, the blood, of Jesus is the only thing that can enable us and bring us into a place where we can become more like him in behavior and in our attitude, in our thinking, in, in, in every aspect of who we are in this life. We are now being sanctified by the Holy Spirit because of the cross. All right, so let's look at this. It's because of the blood. Okay, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 11 and 12. Let's read this. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned outside the camp. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate, all right? Therefore, Jesus, also that he might sanctify the people with his own blood. Say it with me, say I'm being sanctified. Sanctified, just, it's, it's from, it comes from the, the Greek word hagio, which is holy, okay? Hagi, hagiosmos is sanctification. So it just means to set apart, to separate, to make holy, right? So it's the blood of Jesus that does this, not, it's not predicated on this outward show of holiness. It is because of the blood of Jesus, we can live holy. I wanna encourage you, because of the blood of Jesus, you can live a holy life. You can live a separated life. You don't have to live in the bondage of sin. You don't have to live in the perverse addictions and things of this world. We, because of the blood, we can live separate. We can live holy because of the cross. You can live a sanctified life, a holy, a holy life for God. 
This is why we don't do it for any other. There's no other reason. There's no other why behind how we can really live for God and live a life pure, holy unto him. Why? How? How can that be? The blood of Jesus, the cross. Okay. It's kind of like this, right? Like someone gets married. If you think about it, they, 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 they are set apart. That person is now set apart for that other person. They are holy their spouses, right? Like there's no other person that's gonna come up in that relationship and do what married people do. Can I get an amen somebody? Like I ain't Sharon Crystal Gale, but nobody else that ain't, that ain't what this is. Like she has been separated for a holy purpose. Somebody say amen. And same with you, if you're married, right? Y'all, that that is... Y'all are separated. There ain't nobody else in that bedroom. Can I get an amen? Right? No. Sanctified. Separated. Right? They are sanctified. They are set apart within the confines of holy matrimony. It is a covenant. So when Jesus died, like this is what you call the new covenant in his blood. He has sanctified us and set us apart by giving us his life. So just like a marriage, right? Till death do us part. I have given Crystal Gale my life. And in giving her my life and her giving me hers, we wholly belong to each other within the context of a marriage covenant. And nobody else is included in that. You know, when it comes to sex, and those things that are just between her and I. Somebody say amen. Jesus shed his blood, gave his life so that we could be holy his and he could be holy ours. We are, the scripture says, the bride of Christ. Hallelujah. So this you know, like if I were to even, if I, you know, if I had a Bible in my hand right now, I'm kind of reading for my notes here on my computer, but if I had a Bible in my hand, I'd be like, man, this is the Holy Bible. Somebody say holy. So, so we don't mix nothing else with this, right? We leave this alone. We don't mix in our cultural liking. We don't mix in our political affiliation. You may have a political affiliation. You may have certain cultural likings, just like all of us do. We don't mix that up in here and start to include all that in our, the preaching of this. If I had the word of God right here, the Holy Bible, like we leave, leave this alone. The Bible says don't add to it. Don't take away from it. It is holy. This, the book, the Holy Bible, the word of God is set apart. It is holy. We don't, we don't add to it. We don't mix in our own little agenda. Leave, leave it alone, meaning let it be what it is. Somebody say amen, right? We don't, we're gonna mix in our ideological preferences, our, our, our nationalistic propaganda, right? Uh, leave the word of God as it is, holy. Okay, so that's what the cross has done for us. All right, here's the last point. Last point, we're gonna pray. Last one, uh, glorification. So as a result of the cross, we, we are now glorified and we shall be glorified on that final day, okay? And so I'm going to read what glorification means just from a theological perspective. And then I'm going to give you three verses, three scriptures, just to kind of speak to this. Okay. Just to kind of speak to this because the cross isn't only for um, um, our existence on planet earth, but 
it has benefited us eternally. Okay, so here we go. What does glorification mean? Glorif the glorification of a Christian is that we shall share in God's glory when we are in our resurrected bodies, or some would say glorified bodies, in the new heavens and the new earth, experiencing deeper fellowship with God and not being at risk of falling away into sin. God's glory finally being all in all. Okay, so here we go. I'm gonna give you three verses concerning this. Um, um, look at your neighbor and tell them I will be glorified one day. Glorified doesn't mean, no, not the object of worship. It's just that we will no longer have this particular earth suit on. Can I get an amen? That just as we are buried with him in baptism, we shall be raised in the likeness of his resurrection. We, when we naturally die, it's the beginning of eternity with Jesus. We shall be glorified one day. Why? How? Because of the cross. That's why. That is why. Okay? That is why. All right. Here we go. Almost done. Psalm 49 verse 15. But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave. For he shall receive me. Selah. All right? Um, hallelujah. We ain't going to stay in the grave. This earth suit is. But I am not. Can I get an amen? Here we go. A couple more verses. Just to touch on this, but Daniel chapter 12, verse two, Daniel 12, two, and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. All right, hallelujah, hallelujah, we shall awake. All right, here, one more, Romans eight thirty, and then I'm gonna pray. Romans chapter eight, verse 30, moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. We shall be in a glorified, resurrected body with Jesus for all eternity. Why? Because of the shed blood of Jesus on that cross. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, God. I pray that these truths, these, these results of the cross, I pray that they would truly become true reality to our life, that we would, God, grow in them, learn of them, and see who we really are because of the cross. So thank you, Jesus, for dying for us. Thank you, Jesus, that because of your death, we're justified. Because of your death, we're being sanctified. Because of your death, we're redeemed. Because of your death, we're reconciled. Because of your death, we're regenerated. Because of your death, we're forgiven. Thank you, Lord, for doing all of this and more for us as a result of that cross. We love you, Lord, and we pray that you would keep us this week as we go about our day and go about our week. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Love you, church. I hope you enjoyed the message. And my prayer is that you will change your world as a result. If you're ever in the LA area, join us for one of our weekend gatherings. And don't forget to follow us on social media. Peace.